0: Next. Yeah,
1: who's
0: next? Welcome to the class This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. This podcast exists because we want you to win as artists, as songwriters. As a matter of fact, that's why we named it The Climb. C-L-I-M-B is an acronym that stands for Creating Leverage in the Music Business. That could only come from a lyricist. (laughs) uh, Let me introduce you to my co-host, Brent Baxter. Brent is an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Antebellum, Joe Nichols, and more. He also helps songwriters turn pro by teaching the art, the craft, and the business of songwriting. And you can find Brent at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com.
2: And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. It's an innovative artist development company. They help you find your sound, and they help you find your audience. Not only do they develop and improve your artistry, they also grow and monetize your fan base, creating cash flow. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That's production, singular, no S. Why? We all know why. Because there's only one Johnny Twinell. Hey, Brent. How you doing, man? Hunky Dory. Hunky Dory? I'm usually I'm
0: more Dory than Hunky, but whatever. Well, hey, once again, guys, uh, we want to just start off by uh, just being grateful. The The podcast continues to break records. Uh, we just keep increasing on the, on the downloads. I, we, you know, we know when we get new people, because you can tell on the podcast downloads, when all the episodes they they binge listen I like think That's what's going on. They binge watch. It's like we're a
2: show on Netflix. It's awesome. I
0: love it, man. And so we just want to say thank you very much for for continuing to support that. Clearly, you're sharing. You're telling other people about it, and don't stop. I mean, we're here to try to help as many people as we can, and um, we're thrilled to death that the the content that we're offering is really resonating with you folks. So uh, we're grateful. Thank you very much. Leave a you know leave a comment on iTunes, a rating and review. We'd love that. And uh, most more than anything else, I mean, share it with everybody that you can to to get them on board amen brent you've got some wisdom this week
2: it it is my at bat isn't it it is my week all right well i like this because because it's
0: all about doing it for yourself i can tell
2: (laughs) i think so all right here we go today's uh topic is five reasons you might not need a music publisher all right yeah i know didn't see that coming from, from guys That's had publishing deals. All right, so basically, with the number of available publishing deals shrinking, especially like on Music Row, along with royalty income that's shrinking too, with more and more artists writing their own songs in camps, you know, and with home recording getting better and better, do songwriters do songwriters really still need publishers? Well, short answer is, it depends. (laughs) Honestly, Uh, there are certain things that uh, you know if you can check off these boxes, you might not need a publisher. and we were talking last time about the story that you tell yourself, right? Yeah. And this can be one of those stories that it may be a default setting. Oh, I need a music publisher. You know? And so if I can't find one of those, I can't be successful. Well, you know what? Maybe that's not true for you. Maybe you need to change the story in your head and go, you know what? I can be my own music publisher. I don't need one because I can be one. All right. So we're just gonna I'm gonna go go down this list. And, hey, check them off in your mind. Okay, can I do this or can I not? And on the other side of it, you know, one side being, oh, my goodness, well, you know what? I don't need an outside publisher. Maybe you're thinking you can do it all yourself, and this list will kind of wake you up to the fact that, oh, I can't do that. And I really don't even know how to do that. Mm -hmm. I can learn, I guess. Because right? uh, I can learn stuff. But okay, maybe it would be a good idea to start knocking on doors a little bit. So this may turn either way. And that's what I want really my goal this week is just to inform you about kind of what publishers do. And you can figure out for yourself whether or not you need them to do that for you. All right. I love so that it. Every, all right. So this is a songwriter-centric episode. All right. So you know, like most things in the music business, there's no one right answer. Mm-hmm. So, the big thing is, here's one reason why you might not need a publisher. Uh, first reason is, you aren't trying to get other artists to record your songs, right? You write for yourself. So, you write for your family, your friends, and yourself, and you aren't pursuing commercial success. If that's the case, why do you need a publisher? You know, you're playing, you, maybe you're playing your own shows out, sell your own records out of the trunk of your car. You sit on the front porch with mom and Aunt Susie and you can blow their minds and that's great. If that's the world you're inhabiting and that's what your goals are, that's awesome. You may not need a music publisher and so don't feel like you have to chase one just cuz other people are doing it. Hey, wait, clarify something for me. So when you yes. say um that you're not
0: I you said that you're not per- pursuing financial how, how did you word it? financial success? Yeah, commercial success commercial success. Commercial success. I mean, you mean that in the form
2: of I'm trying to like get, getting cuts, right? Like getting right. cuts by other artists, right? Getting you but know, you could be a self-contained fan if
0: you're a, if you're an artist, exactly uh, a yes. self-contained artist, and you're pursuing uh, commercial success as An artist, you might not need a publisher, right? Like, exactly.
2: Could, Why do you need someone else to put the approval on your songwriting? <laughs> right. If you're out there playing your own shows, selling your own records,
0: right, right, right. Right. Okay.
2: That's a reason you might not need one. I just want to make if a you, distinction. Yes, thank you for helping me clarify that. Uh, So, yeah, but if you're wanting other people to record your songs, like that's my world. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to cut my own songs. All right, we've established why not. Okay, (laughs) I want other people to. So, therefore, (laughs) (laughs) horse. All right, so I want other people to record my songs. Therefore, a publisher can be valuable in that. If I didn't want it, if I was just happy sitting on the back porch, writing songs, why in the world would I need a publisher? So that's number one. That's, that's pretty basic, right? I mean, one thing I always want to do with people is take their goals into account. It's one of the first things I ask people when I'm doing a coaching session or a workshop or whatever, and people are asking me questions like, what's your goal? Because mm-hmm. nine times out of ten, that's going to change the answer depending if your goals change. Mm-hmm. And so think about that. Think about what you really want out of your songwriting, and out of your music. It may not need a publisher. And just because there's the whole industry and you watch the show Nashville and there are publishers on there and all that stuff, it may not be something you need. Or it might be. Depends, right? All right, you ready for number two? Number two. All right, number two. You have your own pitch relationships. So it's assuming you do want outside people to record your songs, other artists to record your songs. If you have your own pitching relationships, pitching is when you play a song for somebody. Basically, it's a sales call, right? You play your song for somebody like you want to cut that or does your artist want to cut that? That's a pitch, Mm -hmm. right? You're serving it up for someone to listen to and kind of give a yay or nay with the goal of getting somebody else to record it. If you have your own relationships – you might not need a publisher. You can get meetings with artists, A A&R and reps, and producers on your own. At the very least, they let you send them email pitches, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know. So again, you want cuts, and if you can get it to the right people yourself, you might not need a publisher. Now, right. most people can't do that. <laughs> right. But if you have that ability, you're like, oh well, you know, maybe I don't need a, a publisher as much. How about, um,
0: I, I, I mean, what's your take these days on, on song pitchers, like hiring a song pitcher, are they, will they do that like independently or do they only really want to work with publishing companies?
2: Yeah, I'll tell you, that's come up a lot lately. I've had people ask me about that, so I do, do need to dive into that more, um, there are independent song pluggers out there. So, an independent song plugger is somebody that's not affiliated with a publishing company. They generally, generally, a publishing company will say, Hey, we'll pay you in advance and we'll cover cost of demos. And we own the, your share of the copyright on the songs that you write during the term of our agreement. And we go out and we try to exploit them, right? We try to get them cut, earning revenue. That's how we make our money. But we own that part of the song. You know, mm-hmm. your share of the song, an independent song plugger. And this is typically, you know, there, you know deals vary. OK, but in g- general terms, you pay the song plugger. You know, they work for you. And so you retain all the ownership. And what they do is they do the song plugging. So they're the people that are supposed to have the relationships. They got the Rolodex, right? Mm-hmm. They're the ones that can walk into a meeting with um, whoever the producer might be, you know, Byron Gallimore or whoever and play songs for them. And get them listened to and get them a fair shot at getting them cut. You know, they're the ones that go play golf with the A&R people and with the producers and the artists and that sort of thing. Right. So that that's basically the difference is, is the ownership. And someone asked me about this the other day. And the general – my rule of thumb is it's kind of the old Groucho Marx uh, line about, you know, I refuse to be a member of any club that would have me as a member. You <laughs> yeah. know, I refuse to join any club that would have me as a member. Right. It's a little bit like that with song pluggers. You got to be careful because if you're unknown and you haven't already had some success in the business and don't have a, you know some cred, somebody's coming to you saying, "Hey, you pay me, and I'll pitch your songs." Yeah, you got to be careful about that because there's a moral hazard in there, right? If they're most of the legit ones are full up with pro songwriters with the track record because there are a lot of pros that don't have deals. Right. That's still write just as well as they did, you know, and still are writing professional grade songs. Sure, they just maybe don't have all the relationships, or maybe they do have, and they just want some extra hands on deck. Right, yeah. it's a team sport, and so most of the great ones know I can only really service well a handful of writers. Mm-hmm. So I can't take everybody because it's going to water it down, and it's not honest. I'm not serving my people well if I take on forty two clients. And I'm supposed to be pitching all their songs. There's no way you can do that well. You know, not for like 500 bucks a month or something. So you got to be careful about that because they may be sharks, just want to take your money and sell in the dream, right? And, you know, yeah, I say I'm pitching stuff off, but I'm maybe doing CD drop-offs or I'm just making it up. Or maybe they are very well-intentioned, but they're just not, you know, getting it done. They just aren't making it happen. They mm-hmm. just don't have the chops yet or the relationships yet. Yeah. There are some good ones that can get activity, but you just got to be careful. And you can find out some of those names, Tell and just do some due diligence, you know? Due diligence, yeah. Find out the ones that won't have you. And those are pretty much the ones that yeah. you won't get to. I mean, you know, I say that tongue in cheek, but it, it's basically true. I mean, it's it's hard to get, you know, the really reputable ones um, because they, they have their kind of choice of clients. Yeah. You know, people they've had relationships with, and know that every time they turn, you know, throw a song on they're going to find some really great commercial songs. Because hey, they you know, a lot of those pluggers have back end, mm-hmm. you know, um, money. So based on chart position, based on you know, how many records the album sells, that kind of stuff, where they get a bump, that sort of thing. And so they have a vested interest in not just taking your money to pitch, but actually getting songs secured and cut. Right. So those they want to work with. Right. So. But if you can get your own pitch meetings, if you can call up, you know, Benny Brown at Broken Bow, if you can call up Keith Stagall and play songs for him or, you know, the artist, that sort of thing. Hey, have at it. Maybe that's a part of the traditional publisher publisher role that you can fill yourself. So you might not need one.
0: Yeah. And, you know, uh, two episodes ago, we were talking about Facebook groups, right? Mm -hmm. So here's a possible scenario. You're providing value to the Facebook groups, creating relationships, and you're getting to know, maybe you don't live in Nashville. Maybe you're in freaking Canada, you know? And, uh, and you, you get to develop some strong relationships. Maybe they turn into co-writes or whatever, like Skype co-writes or something like that. On Yeah. And, 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 and all of a sudden, these people are like, yeah, I mean, you got some good chops. Like you got some good stuff. And, and so you start to create some friends down here who might be friends with somebody like Benny at Broken Bow. Or this publishing company or that publishing company where you could do an email drop because your friend will vouch for you, you know, because you kind of Mm -hmm. work your way in like that. If you've really got something going on, that's good. I mean, you know, these are scenarios for somebody who's not Nashville centric to uh, work your way into the crowd.
2: Right. I mean, that's basically what happened with Monday Morning Church is I'd written a song with Aaron Enderlin back in Arkansas and... She was going to school here, and and I moved here shortly after he wrote that, but it was through her connections with Jeff Carlton, who's a legit you know publisher, veteran in the business, who had the relationship with Keith Stagall, Alan Jackson's producer, to go in and play that song for him. Mm-hmm. And so while I didn't do that song much good once we got out of the writing room, as far as my relationships, Aaron did. She, I mean, she didn't have a straight-up publishing deal, I don't think, but she had some sort of working relationship with Jeff. I don't know all the particulars, but – where he was working some of her catalog, and that a song that he loved, and he worked it. So while I didn't have the pitch relationships, my co writer did. And that's another reason you might want to think about co writing. If you don't, it's team sport, man. Yeah. It's a good thing I didn't, if I'd even had the chops to write that song myself, which I don't melodically <laughs> or anything, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't have the connections that she did. Yeah. Right on. But yeah, but you know, it's also, you don't want to spend. Too much hope on your co-writers to do all that for you because eventually they may look up and go, no, what are you doing again? Yeah. <laughs> but but yes, that is a way to help get your – get a boot in the door is through co-writers and their relationships. Mm-hmm. All right. You ready for number three? Yes, sir. All right. You are self-funded. All right. You might not need a publisher if you can pay yourself to write. Um, you can cover your own demo expenses. You're in a financial situation that allows you the flexibility to write a lot. In other words, you don't need an advance or a draw from a publisher. If you don't need that, you might not need a publisher. So basically what publishers do in a traditional publishing model, and, and things have been changing just because of the financial realities. Draws aren't worth a, what they used to be. A lot of people are signing you know, pitch-only or demo-only agreements, that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. traditionally, a publisher will pay you some money up front as an advance against future earnings that they expect to make with you. And therefore, it frees up your time to write because you do not having to wait tables as much. Mm-hmm. And so you have some more time to write. And if you can do that yourself – Great. You might not need that that aspect of what a publisher does. Maybe you you know, your spouse works and therefore, you know, you get to stay home more and you get to pursue the songwriting thing and they make enough money to kind of support your habit. Yeah. Fuck on. Yeah. God bless, uh, <laughs> God bless you. I know. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, or maybe you just have a business that kind of runs and you and it allows you a flexibility to yeah. do your own thing. Yeah. You know, it, it feeds the machine. It feeds your addiction. Um, so if that works, then great. That's another thing that publishers normally do that maybe you can check off that list to go, well, all right, maybe I don't need one for that. You know, because I can do it and keep my ownership, keep my copyright. Right. But, you know, not everyone has that availability and everything's trade-offs. You know, it's like, well, I'm doing a day job to self-fund my, my songwriting, but at the cost of time. Yeah. Or I can go get a publishing deal, you know, like it's easy, but say go pursue a publishing deal that could pay me to write, and therefore I'd have more time, but I wouldn't have all the ownership of the song. So you got to figure out those trade offs for yourself. Right, right, right. All right. I like that. Number four, number four, you can do your own administrative, uh, administrative work. You can do your own admin. So either you outsource your publishing admin, or you're able to do. The business side of it yourself. Okay. We talked in the last episode. A lot of people have the self talk, this story that they're not a business person. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you have that, you're probably looking for a publisher. If you have the mindset, like, no, I can learn this business, I can do this business, and you actually can, you actually are able to do it, mm-hmm. you might not need a publisher. So, some of the admin duties that a publisher would traditionally cover would be copywriting songs. You know, they, don't, they want to register the copyright, registering the song with uh, if it gets recorded, registering it with like ASCAP, CSAC or BMI, mm-hmm. domestically U.S. Or with places like SASIM in France, SOCAN and CMRA in Canada or APRA over in Europe or Australia, I think some of these different societies, they're the foreign versions of ASCAP or BMI, mm-hmm. you know, registering those around the world so we can collect performance monies from around the world issuing a license for the song if you get that big hit you know the randy hauser cut and they go great you know send us a license you're like "What? Uh, what what is that well it's what gives us permission to you know make copies of your song the copyright you you reserve the the right to make copies and a license you're giving someone else the right you know, to make copies of that song and distribute them. That's kind of what the copyright is. So you got to give them this this document that they sign off on. It's an agreement going, okay, this is where you can release it. This is the kind of stuff you can do. This is the rate. It's a license. And so you do that for especially for the first release. They do that kind of stuff. They track the money, the money comes in, they send it out to the writers appropriately. Of course if you're your own publisher, it comes in, you take it to the bank, hold some out for Uncle Sam. If you can do all that stuff then you might not need a publisher or if you can outsource it. Like that's what I do on some songs that I own that I've gotten cut Mm -hmm. is I outsource to blue water music. Mm -hmm. So I used to actually work there when I first got to Nashville, I was there part time. I was waiting tables part time and working at blue water part time, putting in Kim Ritchie and Chris Knights and uh, Jim Lauderdale's, you know, royalty money in the system. So it'd pay out to everybody correctly. And I learned a lot about licensing while I was there and eventually the Alan Jackson cut came along and I was able to issue a license myself. Which was nice. <laughs> so I was, I was at the point cause I didn't have a publisher when that song got cut. Nobody wanted the song. Yeah. And then when it got cut, I was like, I got to issue a license. So Alan can actually release this sucker. You can put it in Walmart. Yeah. And thankfully working at a publishing company, I, I knew enough to be dangerous and enough to do my own license. And then, uh, I ended up leaving Blue Water and hired them to work for me.
0: So is that now, is that a service that they'll provide for anybody, or is that just because you got a relationship over there?
2: No, no, they that's what that's what their job is. I mean, they do have some in-house creative, but largely they're an administration company, so people outsource it. Like we had other publishing companies that were clients, like Carnival Music was a client mm, when okay. I was there. It's like, and so yeah, that's what they do. I mean, you got to have enough activity to make it worth their time. Right. Okay, it's a small independent release in Nevada. They may not. It's probably not worth their time to go through all the steps to copyright it and register it around the world and all that stuff. But if you get a legit cut, yeah. Okay, so, I got you. You know, I've added other songs into my catalog with them because I've had a few cuts that I own the publishing on. And so, you know, they take a cut of what they collect. They basically act as, an, you know, the administrative administrative arm mm-hmm. of Cap Chords Music, which is my personal publishing company, and they take their cut, uh, And but they do a good job, because I'm like, you know what? That saves me time, and I would lose more money than what they charge by trying to do it myself. Yeah. So it makes financial sense for me to do that. That's right. And plus, I got to know those guys. I know they do a good job. They're conscientious, and they, they do good work, so I trust them. So. Yeah, if you can do your own admin stuff or find a good place to outsource it, you might not need a publisher. There we go. Right on. Any questions about that, Johnny?
0: <laughs> well, you know what? I did want to make a comment. Um and I I think it's appropriate. Um
2: the Oh, you know, it's probably not appropriate. <laughs> that's on your
0: number three on if you're self funded, you know, um mm-hmm. just for people who uh if, if you're a songwriter from your community that maybe not, might not be familiar with Daredevil. Um, we do a lot of, of song demo uh, production, but we do it for publishing companies. That's where the clientele is. So this happens uh, every once in a while. It was really infrequent last year. We had one already happen this year, but I just want to put it out to your community that if you're on the Daredevil mailing list, then... Um, because my, my, my community knows that I'll send out an email. It always has the same subject line, just says deal. And, and sometimes I can get uh, like writers out there in on uh, a, getting a demo produced, but you're paying what the publishing company would pay. So it's like a deal and, uh, and you don't have to do, you know, to get the talent, like you'll have like the best guys in Nashville on that, but to get the talent like that, it's, um, you'd have to do a lot of songs, but you could do one off. So, uh, like I said, it, it only happens when spaces become available and songwriters from the publishing companies drop out. So it doesn't, it's not something we do on a regular basis or I don't offer it to the community on a regular basis, but if that is some, some way that, uh, if that's been a challenge for you, just get on our mailing list and, and, um, and just wait for the emails <laughs> when they you know, they come out every once in a while. But as I said it only happened like twice last year, but it's already happened once this year. But mm-hmm. anyway, so that might be a way for somebody that's self-funded to to save some
2: bucks and get a, to actually do it a good demo. Yeah, cool, cool. You ready for number five?
0: Number five.
2: Number five. You have your own co-writing relationships. All right. Now this is assuming that you're you know again wanting to get cuts, and then you do co-write. Most people do, especially in Nashville. It's kind of a co-writing town. There are reasons for that, I think, that we touched upon. But like Aaron Nunderland and Monday Morning Church, and a co write was hugely beneficial for me with that song. Um, so publishers often help hook their writers up with high-level co-writes and even artists. So if you're networking and people skills are strong enough, you might be able to do this for yourself. If it's not strong enough, you might need a publisher. I kind of feel like Jeff Foxworthy. You might be a redneck. You might, you might need-, need a publisher. <laughs> so i mean that's one thing you know publishers definitely helped me do i mean when i got to town i was not you know going out to writer's nights i wasn't playing them but i had my own method of kind of meeting people at that and starting in co-writes and doing that sort of thing but when i signed that first deal with major bob music sure enough they you know we had a meeting okay who do you want to write with Let's see who we can help you up with. And they started shopping my comp, you know, my compilation CD around town to different publishers and, and trading out like, hey, you know, they'd bring a CD to me like, hey, check out this guy. You think you want to write with him? I'd listen to it and I'm like, yeah, you're or whatever. And my CD was floating around different publishing companies doing the same thing. And, you know, part of what they do is a networking help you help try to connect the dots, try, try to help find the next great co-writer for me. Someone that we're going to all make a bunch of money together. And that's part of what they do. And really, more and more these days, that's a lot of what the publisher does, is trying to get their writers in the right rooms. Mm-hmm. Just the way the nature of the business is changing. It's not as much, you know, I was to say, you know, lobbying the songs over the wall of the castle. <laughs> right. And hoping you hit somebody inside. It's trying to build your own castle or trying to get you in the castle other ways, not just your song, but you and try to get you in the right rooms to write with the artist, to write with the next potential artist or some hit songwriters or people that have connections. That's part of what they do because they are connectors. They're hubs. Mm-hmm. They know a lot of people in town. If They're good publishers. And you may be newer and they can say, hey, I got this new guy, Brent, blah, blah, blah. Here, listen to it. Let's hook him up. If you can do a lot of that yourself, you might not need a publisher to do that for you. If you can't do that, it's something to think about. Some way a publisher could help you. There you go. Yeah. help The relationship uh, facilitators, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah, and it's we-
0: all about we- relationships,
2: you know. Man, it's so much about relationships. It's huge. I mean, songs travel on through relationships. Yeah. Of some sort. I mean, that's how they go from hand to hand, digitally or physically, but they travel from hand to hand, somebody to somebody. Yeah. 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 And publishers help you do there. So, I mean, there you go. It's uh five reasons you might not need a publisher. If those sound like you awesome, that's great. But if not have an opportunity for you, you know, cause you might be thinking, okay, how do I connect with a publisher? Okay. It sounds like I need one. My goal is to get cuts, get on the radio. I don't really check off any of those boxes. So I, I think I need a publisher at this point. Mm-hmm. How can I connect with one? And that's something I've started to do more as part of the songwriting pro community because that's something people need. I've been trying to figure out okay, how can I help connect people with publishers? Um, And I've done it, I guess, twice so far, and this would be the third go around. But I have a play for publisher event Mm -hmm. coming up in March. And. details you can find details at songwritingpro.com slash store you click on that it takes you to the store we have just a certain amount of uh, tickets available but kind of the way I like to run these is you know publishers and most everybody in the music business they use filters to try to weed out the stuff that's not ready and only get the really good stuff mm-hmm. right the stuff that's going to help them keep their jobs because yeah. they want to find great songs that they can get cut and make commerce happen so their publishing company doesn't go under and they get to keep their job and feed their family. So one thing I've started doing is hosting these play for publisher events. And basically I'll accept, you know, 200, 250 songs, something like that. And then I listen to them and I choose the ones I think have the best chance of getting the attention of my publisher guest that month. Mm -hmm. And it gets down to about 10 songs. And I'll I'll take those ten songs to that publisher, and you know we'll listen to them. We'll invite the ten you know winners basically on to the ten songwriters onto a live video conference with the publisher, and so they get a you know watch the publisher listen to their song, they listen to it all the way through, ask questions, get the feedback from the publisher. It's a chance to get on a publisher's radar. It's not a deal closer, but it is a door opener. It's a way for the publisher to become aware of you, or if they already have heard some of your stuff before to become you know you have that frequency we talk about so much oh yeah there's you again that different song but that's a good one too okay your name keeps coming up it's an opportunity for that or you know so it's it's online so you can be anywhere in the world and participate in this but basically what you do is i just take a limited number of songs because i gotta listen to them so right. I can't take everything right. I've got to gotta have time to listen and give everything a fair listen. So I do cap it. Uh, but you can get the details at songwritingpro.com slash store. Just look for the you know, play for publisher icon and have all the details tell you about the guest publisher we have coming on. I only have legit publishers as guests on this. I want people that can actually are in the business actively working, getting songs cut. Make a <laughs> making a living doing it. Making a living doing it. Right. Yeah. I mean, those because it's man. I care about my community. I don't want to have just some random person on there that you know called themselves a publisher ten years ago and has really worked in the business since then. But hey, they'll they'll do one of these. That's not helping my community. That's false hope. I don't want to do that. I want to give you a chance, and that's all it is is a chance. It's An at bat with somebody. It's an at bat with somebody that's real deal and really in the business. Yeah, that's killer, man. That's
0: killer. And you've gotten uh you've gotten some some relationships started already from the first two, which is cool,
2: you know? Man, it's cool. Uh the last one we did was with Tim Hunzey of Parallel Music mm-hmm. and uh you know after it was over, he's like, "Man, those are good songs, man. Thanks." I was like, "My people are good." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Tim, I we, you know, I did my best to curate the ones I thought you would like." And you know, that's a win for him cause, you know cuz after the last one, he's like, you know, we we're talking about a couple of the songs. Like, I may have a couple pictures for that blah 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 song. Hmm, let me think about that, you know. And and he gets all the writer's contact information. He gets copy of the song, copy of the lyrics, you know, so he can reach out. And um, you know, it's kind of a win for him. He's exposed to some good quality songs that he might not have known about otherwise. And it's a win for my community. So everybody can say thank you at the end of it.
0: There you go, man. And that's wins. a beautiful thing. Everybody wins. I love that, dude. I love that. Yeah. So there you go. So check that out, and uh, that brings us to the end of another climb episode. This podcast exists because we want you to win, guys. We're trying to figure out different ways to get your product up there, get your mind right, get you working and thinking the right way, so that you can do this for yourself. Get you to the right people when we can do that on occasion, and uh, and that's why we're here. So keep on climbing, guys, and we'll see you at the top.